Good afternoon. We're going to get started. Glad y'all are here today. Uh, why don't we tell the guys and ladies thanks for our lunch today. Good job on the lunch. I'm going to ask Gary Craig if you'll lead us a word of prayer, please. Again, glad that you're here. I want to encourage you every week to be thinking about who you can invite. Evidently, uh, hamburger steaks aren't as highly regarded as ribeye steaks are. I thought they were exchangeable. Uh, I want to encourage you to think about who you can invite. There's a bunch of wooden nickels on your, on your table there. Grab a handful of those, and as you go through the week, be thinking about who you can invite to join you every single week. We did that last week, and some people think, well, that's a crazy thing to do. We want people to see, you know what, this is worth coming to. You know what, this is a big deal to come and hear what God has said in his word about us as men seeking to follow Jesus Christ. So again, we're glad that you're here today. I want to encourage you to be back, and not just that, but invite somebody to join you uh, every single week. Last week, we finished our study. It was a five-week study on being a man after God's own heart. Today, we're going to go back to our verse-by-verse study. We've been moving through the book of 1 Peter. Again, we took those five weeks off to look at uh, that study about King David. Now, let me just say this as we get back uh, to our study in, in, in here in 1 Peter. Uh, I truly believe the greatest thing that could be put into us and being put into our hearts and our mind and be put into our understanding truly is the Word of God. And I'll just tell you, that that's the greatest thing that could happen to you as a husband, as a dad, as a man, uh, as a worker, as an employee, if the Word of God was put into your heart. The Word of God is where we get our direction. Uh, sometimes we wonder, well, I wish God would, would direct me. You get your direction from the Word of God. It is also where we get our correction. There are times that we need to be corrected and to put back on a different path. Uh, that is where we hear the voice of God. Sometimes I watch people today, and, I, and myself included, we act like, you know what, I, if I just had a sign from God. If he would just give me a sign that I would obey that earth, if he would just drop it on my head. You know, when I'm out working and I don't know which way to go and I'm not sure what to do, if he would just drop it in my lap, I would listen to that. I would, I would hear that earth. Or if God would just tell me, if he would only just tell me. Well, I want to tell you, he has spoken in his word. He is still speaking in his word. And so as men, we come to the word of God and we seek his direction. We seek his correction. We seek the pattern that's best for us to live by. And so again, as men, the best thing that we can do is to read his word, to study his word, to be where his word is taught, and then obey and live according to the word of God. And so that brings us back to our study. First uh, Peter, we're in, we're in the fourth chapter. Uh, today we're going to conclude a section of verses that we started quite a while back. We're going to look at verses 10 and 11. So First Peter chapter 4, today verses 10 and 11. It says this, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks as to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, as we look at our verses, our two verses today, I want to start off and just remind you of the context so far. 
Remember, Peter is writing this letter to believers who are under attack for their faith in Jesus Christ. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've said Jesus is the Lord. He is our Savior. He is the Messiah. And for that, they are under attack. Because of that, they are persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we, we know we read through the book of Acts. We read these letters as well. Uh, these men have been disowned. Some of them have lost their property rights. Some of them, their own families have rejected and, and kicked them out. They've been run out of town. In fact, the persecution was so great that they're, they're being beaten. They're being hauled to jail. And so they leave town. And really, these, these churches form as they're pushed out of, out of their town in persecution. So you think about that. They put their faith in Christ. Because of that, they're suffering. Because of that, they're persecuted. And so their natural response is to wonder what's going on. I, I thought we had a king, Jesus. I thought we had a savior. I thought we had eternal life, an abundant life. And yet here we find ourselves in suffering. And so they're wondering what is going on. And more than that, as they're pushed out into these places, as they're living in this persecution, they're wondering how do we live in this? If this is what it is, how do we live under this intense persecution? Well, to answer those questions, Peter writes the letter. And that's what, that's what this letter is in its context. Here's what's going on. You're under intense persecution. You're being hated for the name of Christ. Here is how you live as a follower of Jesus Christ under this persecution. And that's, that's the context. Now, let me say this. Today in America, and sometimes we think, well, we have it pretty good. Let me just tell you, today in America, today in this culture, 2017, in our culture, if you take a stand for the truth of Jesus Christ, you mark it down, you're going to be opposed. Today, if you take a stand for the truth of Jesus Christ, you're going to be called intolerant. You're going to be called ignorant. You're going to, you're going to be called politically incorrect. You're going to be politically incorrect. And I'll just tell you, in our world, it is, it is bad, and it is getting worse, and I believe it's going to keep getting worse. Just this month, kids go back to college, and I'm not going to tell you which kid and which college, but, but just this month, month a, a college freshman goes to, to school, and I'm not going to tell you, it was a college here in Texas, and they, they were talking to me, and I was talking to them, they came back to visit, and part of the freshman orientation of a university here in Texas, part of their orientation included gender inclusiveness. That's part of their orientation, which, which means uh, there is no set gender. And gender is a spectrum. And you could be 60% male and 40% female, and you can identify as whatever you want. And I, I hear that, and I think, what in the world does that have to do with freshman orientation? I thought they were going to find the cafeteria in the dorm. Uh, what in the world does that have to do with freshman orientation other than they are indoctrinating our young people? And they're teaching them up front, you know what? You can't laugh at and you can't point out and you can't say something's wrong with somebody who is clearly a man but decides to call themselves a, a female. So let me just tell you this. If you would stand there in that situation and say, you know what? God created them male and female. The Bible says male and female. Did he create them? You're going to be hated. In fact, you're going to be called hateful for that speech. And so let me just say, we better listen to what Peter is saying to us as well. How do we live standing up when everybody else is going a different direction? How do we stand up when all the things we're going to say, according to the Bible, are going to be pushed back against as hate speech? How do you live as a Christian 
under persecution. So that's what our, our context is for us. We better listen today as well. Let me break down the two verses. Verse 10 starts off and it says, As each one has received a special gift. As each one has received a special gift. Listen to me. Hear this very carefully. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear. God has given you a gift. He's given you a spiritual gift, which is a supernatural enablement, an ability to be used in the context of the church. Now listen to that. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, God has given you a supernatural enablement, a spiritual gift to be used in the context of the church. When you got saved, on the day that you understood I'm a sinner and, and Jesus is, is the remedy for sin and you professed him as your Lord, God, knowing the mission of the church and the purpose of the church, gave you very specifically an ability, a gift to be used in the context of the church. Now, there's a whole bunch of different ways that that looks like. Uh, there are service gifts. There's people that serve there's people that can teach, there's preachers, there's gifts of administration, there's, there's gifts of, of, of all sorts of things, of generosity. Uh, but God, seeing the mission of the church, gave you a very specific gift to be used in the church. Here at Calvary Baptist Church, look around and there, there are people who teach. Uh, there are people that fix things. There's a couple guys that come around and say, you know what? I'm going to change the filters on the air conditioners. You tell me when. Is there something broken? I'm going to fix that. There's folks that come and they drive the vans. There's folks that, that organize things. There's folks that go visit folks that are in the hospital. There's, there's ushers and there's greeters that make folks feel welcome. Uh, Randy and the other guys, they help head up our men's lunch here. And you can go on and on and on. Uh, the point is you are gifted you are built by God to do something in the context of the church. The Apostle Paul says, like a body. And that's the picture that he paints. Now think about a body. There's ears and there's eyes and there's hands. There's thumbs, there's fingers, there's feet, there's a heart, there's a liver. Paul says, just like all of these parts are necessary, all these parts come together to carry out the function of the body. That's the church. All of these pieces come together to carry out the function of the body. Now look, look at verse 10 again. It says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now let me, let me look at the back part of that verse first. As each one has received a special gift, employ it, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this gift is because of God's grace to the church that's on his mission. He knows what this church is endeavoring to do. He knows what this church needs to accomplish it. And so in his grace, he says, let me send you a preacher and let me send you a teacher and let me send you somebody to serve and let me send you somebody to greet people and let's put all the people together so the work of the church will go forward. It is his grace to the church. Then it says this, employ it, employ it. You go look that up in the original language, it means this, use it, work it, employ it. Serving one another, the Bible says, this picture of the body as a good steward. And so you know what, as each one of you have received a gift, put it to use, work with it. And then it says, as a good steward. Now it's important here to look at the word steward. A steward is a person responsible 
or accountable for the business of another. You are in town and you have a business. You know what? I'm going to take off and be gone for a year or two. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to appoint you as my steward to run my business and run my affairs in my absence. That person is responsible for the running of those, that guy's affairs. They're accountable. Well, God gives you this gift and you are a steward of it. That means this. You are responsible for it. Now, what that means, listen to me, it means this. You will give an account for the gift that God has given you. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of people say, well, it's done, I'm saved, I've got that settled. You know what, he gave you a gift to use in the context of the church. You're a steward of it. You'll give an account for what you do with that gift. But I want to tell you more than that, there's a bigger thing than that. If you do not use it, the master's work goes undone. Did you hear that? If you do not use it, well, I got busy. I got messed up. I was messed up. I, I had too much work. I did this. You don't understand my kids. They're going to college or my, my wife does this or I've got this going on at work. If you do not use it, if you're not a steward of it, the master's work goes undone. You're to employ it. You're to work it. You're to use it for the mission. Let me put it to you this way. I'm going I'm to try to make it as plain as I can. Jesus is coming again very soon. Nobody, not one person is guaranteed another day. We're, we're burying folks every day. Those who do not hear the good news of Jesus Christ, they are now living separated from God. On that day, they will spend eternity separated from God in a reality of hell, and there's not going to be another chance. Do you understand? That's the truth of what God says. On that day, they're not going to be afforded another chance. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. We have the mission, and I'm talking about all of us as Christians, we have the mission to hold them back. And it's going to take all of us together with all of our gifts to get the job done. And if you will withhold your gift, people will go to hell. No one, ever, no one ever said that to me, and they said it very clearly. Well, you have a gift. It'll be nice if you use it. No, it's not nice if you use it. If you neglect to be a steward of the gift that God has given you, people will suffer in the eternity of hell. Let me just tell you this. In a day when the world turns against us, when a day when the wagons are being circled around us, and the goal of Satan and the goal of the world is to remove us, and to shut our mouths that the message of Jesus Christ would die out, we have to be present in the service of our Lord with the gift that he gave us. Here's a question. So are you. You see, here's the truth. You are needed for the mission. Well, you don't understand. No, you are needed for the mission. You're necessary for the mission. More than that, you're built, you're gifted for the mission. There's something you can do nobody else can do. There's some folks you can reach nobody else can reach. And if you're not going to do it, the mission's going to go undone in that area. You are necessary. You're needed. You're gifted. Together we have a purpose to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says, what are you going to do when the persecution hits? This is what you're going to do as men. You're going to stand up. You're going to realize that you have a gift and you're going to use it in the context of the church. A lost world is looking to you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as the one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so 
as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now here's what that verse means. There's a lot of stuff there. Let me just explain it. If a gifted person, which means you've put your faith in Christ, God's given you a gift. If a gifted person in obedience is doing what God has gifted them to do, then it is God's work. And so when you come and you serve as he's gifted you to do, it is God who empowers it. When you come and you work as God has called you to do, it is God who enables it. When you come, and this guy who's the preacher evidently, when he comes and preaches as God has enabled him to do, it is God's word that goes out. And so this idea of, well, if I do it, it's okay. If not, it's no big deal. It absolutely falls apart. It is the work of God that he has gifted and enabled us to carry out as believers. Now, what do you do about that? Here you're sitting today. Let me tell you a couple things. What do you do about that? First thing is this. If you are saved, and if you're not saved, you need to get saved. I'll just tell you that's the main thing of all of this. But if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what you need to do. First is this. You need to get heavily involved in a local Bible teaching New Testament church. There is no such thing in the New Testament of a Christian that said, well, my church is out here. Well, I operate out here. We were put in a church by God to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. First thing you need to do is say, I need to get involved in a local Bible teaching New Testament church. Second thing you need to do once you do that, and by involved, I mean involved. Second thing you need to do is this. You need to go up to the leadership or the pastor and you need to say, you know what? I'm here to help. I'm here to do what God has called me to do, has built me to do. Maybe I need some help finding out what that is, but I'm here to fill my place in the body of Christ. Can you imagine a hand with no thumb? Can you imagine a body with no leg or, or a face with no eyes? And then we expect it to come and do what, it, what it's supposed to do to carry out the function that it's built to do, and yet it's handicapped. You need to show up and say, you know what, this, this is not going to be handicapped any longer because I'm missing. I'm here, and I'm here to serve. Help me find my place. And then the third thing is exactly what Peter says. Then go to work. Go to work. Put it to use. Employ the gift that you have. <clears throat> now here's the crazy part of this. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Here's the reason why. And this is what he sums it up by saying. So that in all things, in these things, <clears throat> you bring your gift, you go to work with it. In all things, in these things, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, what that means is this, and let me paint the picture for you. Why would you do this? Why would you endeavor to do this? It's because this, God loves you. Our holy, powerful creator, God, loves you. I don't know why he loves you. I don't know why he loves me, but he loves you. And he sends his only begotten son. Sometimes we've said that so much, it's painted in our end zone so much, we've lost the, the, the depth of that. He sends his only begotten son. Let me just tell you something. You're not getting any of my kids. You're not going to get my daughter. You're not going to get my two sons. It doesn't matter how, how much I say I love you, you're not going to get one of my kids. He sends his only begotten son. 
And that son is Jesus. He comes and he's fully God and yet he humbles himself. He doesn't need anything here. He humbles himself. He becomes a man. He comes and he lives as a man. He never sins. He lives his life as a man. He goes to the cross of Calvary. The Bible says he is beaten. He is whipped. The beard is pulled out of his face. He's nailed there. And in ridicule and rejection, his blood runs out on the cross. There he hangs naked, beaten in front of the people that he created. And he does that for sinners. And so today, when the world says Jesus is a fable, when the world says, oh, that's, that's absolutely ignorant, that's not true, there's no way that's true. When the world says that's a superstition, there's, there's no power in that, there's, there's no hope in that. Jesus is not the Lord. In fact, we don't know what he is, and they downplay him and they laugh at him. Jesus is not the Lord. See, what this is saying is when the world sees you, and you're at work, and you're with others, and together you're working, and the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out, and people are saved, and lives are changed, and the light replaces the darkness, they're going to step up and say, you know what? Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why you would do it. What else are you going to do that matters? I built an empire. When I died, it didn't matter. I was esteemed above all men. They thought I was a big deal. When I died, they forgot about me. What else are you going to do? Here's what's crazy. It goes back really to the last few weeks. God is looking for men, people, who breathe and who live and who get out of bed and who are obedient to the cause that he's called them to. And even when it's tough, they're obedient. Even when it's a hard time and then there's persecution, they live and they breathe for the glory of God. It's the same story over and over again. He's looking for people that would say, you know what, I live this day for the glory of the living God. It's just what David said, that someday they see and they would know there is a God in Israel. Let us live to glorify the living God. As he's given you a gift, employ it in his service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. Thankful for the men in this room. Thankful that we, we stand here today and, and there is hatred towards us, but we're not persecuted to the extent these folks were. But I do believe it's coming. I do believe there's a hatred that's not going to subside. I believe there's a time when it's going to be harder and harder, increasingly harder. I pray that as we hear these words on this day, it will enable us to stand on that day. And I pray for the men in this room that some of us are going to take it to heart. Some of us are going to have a shift in priority. And we would say, you know what, the greatest thing I can do is put God's word into me and live it out in, in obedience. And I pray the result would be this. Folks would get saved. Folks would find hope in Jesus Christ. The lives would be radically changed in the power of Jesus Christ. That eternities would be changed. And that Jesus Christ would be proclaimed and named as Lord. To all glory and dominion is his. Help us in that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.